Every week, Denver Zone Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or on Stitcher so they could find a place where you can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. The John of All Trades Podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Start the show! You have all made it! Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 175. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And what a thrill this week's episode is. It's not every day you get to meet someone who has been a part of something that you've been a fan of for more than 20 years. And my guest this week is Vinny Fiorello. And Vinny is the drummer and chief lyricist of Less Than Jake. Less Than Jake. Oh my God. When I got into ska music, my freshman year of high school, they were one of the first four bands that I got into. It was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Real Big Fish, Mustard Plug, and Less Than Jake. And I have seen Less Than Jake more than a dozen times in my life. And every time they have one of the best shows you could possibly hope to see. It's amazing. It is one of my all-time favorite bands. And the reason I even got to talk to them was my friends and I were planning this guy's trip. We We get together like every year and we try and go somewhere. And I saw this thing on Facebook where it's like, Less Than Jake's on tour. With Face to Face. Are you shitting me? Face to Face. God, that's another one of my bands. Their only Colorado stop is in Grand Junction. I go, ah, Grand Junction. Like, it's four hours from here. Jeez. Wait a minute. That should be the guy's trip. We got a buddy coming in from Salt Lake City. Three of us are coming from Denver. Let's meet in the middle. Let's make a weekend out of it. Shit, why not? That sounds awesome. So, got everyone on board. And, by the way, coordinating four 30-some-odd-year-old, like, pretty much all of us dads, is uh, quite the feat. The fact that we all managed to get together in a place on the same weekend, remarkable. And as we're approaching the trip, I'm thinking about the podcast, and I'm actually in a place where I'm really flush with interviews, and that doesn't always happen. And I thought, why the hell wouldn't I just pitch these bands, at least one of them? Like, why not try? Give people the opportunity to say yes. And I said that to my friend Jason. That is a life philosophy for me. You got to give people the opportunity to say yes. They can't say yes until you ask. So I sent an email, and I get one back from Vinny. He's like, sure, that's easy enough. Why don't you uh, just come by during sound check? <laughs> okay, now it's going to happen. And so, not to sound too gooberish about this, but again, it's not every day that you get to talk to someone who has created art and created music and created stuff that has touched your life for more than two decades. And the fact that I got to do that, God, what a thrill, what a privilege. And Vinny, and this is the amazing part. Vinny was incredibly generous with his time and just like the nicest dude ever. And so it's like four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon on Main Street Grand Junction. And we're trying to find a place. He's like, we can't do the tour bus and we can't do in the studio or in the theater because, you know, we got noisy bands doing sound checks. So, you know, what else? And so I'm walking up and down Main Street 
there's nothing open. And I'm like, okay, where are we going to do this? And I'm like, you know what? It's pretty quiet here on the street. So when you listen to this episode, you'll hear birds in the background and wind and cars driving by and stuff. But it's just me and Vinny sitting on a bench on Main Street Grand Junction in the middle of a gorgeous afternoon having a great chat. And a couple of days later, so this is like two days afterward, he sends me a text. And it says, back in Gainesville, decompressing from tour. Just a thanks again for the interview for the podcast. What? Like, that doesn't happen usually. I mean, a, a lot of my guests will say, thanks for having me on the show. That's terrific. He did not need to do that. Uh, just what a terrific dude. He handles a lot of the band's business. Like I said, he writes the lyrics, but he does a lot of the media for them and some of the coordination. He runs his own record label. He has his own tattoo shop. And so just the extra touch. I mean, what a dynamite dude and a fantastic band. So I am intensely grateful for this episode. For those of you new here, my name is John. This is the John of All Trades podcast. We've been going for 175-plus episodes. You can find all those episodes at johnofalltrades.us. That's J-O-N of alltrades.us. Each episode has a companion blog piece with links and all sorts of other good stuff to it. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Simply search John of All Trades, J-O-N of All Trades. And uh, we're also on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T pod. Now then, that's not why you came here. The reason you came here is to hear Vinny Fiorello talk about their history as a band. We get into some pretty personal stuff here, especially with regard to the album In With The Out Crowd, which, in terms of Less Than Jake's catalog, has been a little bit maligned. And he gives some fascinating insight, and I'll be honest, I actually went back and re-listened to that record, and his insight about it is one I agree with. So, we're going to leave you to discover that. Episode 175 of the John of All Trades podcast is Vinny Fiorello, the drummer and chief lyricist of Less Than Jake. His episode starts right now. Tour's been great. I think that uh, it's three weeks in right now, and we've never toured with face-to-face uh, -face before. I actually know that because I think I've seen you guys about ten times, yep. and the fact that you're together with face-to-face -face nearly melted my face. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Just because I love both bands so much, and I've been fans of your guys for the past 20 years. Yeah, you know, it's we've done shows with face-to-face, -face and we've been friends with them for about 15 years, yeah. right? 20 years, uh, but never tour. So here we are. Wow. It's great. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And so you're at the last day of the tour. You were telling me just before we got on um, that you got a couple of weeks off, and then you're going to South America, right? We are. Argentina and uh, Chile. Wow. Have you played down there before? We have. What is it like? Like, how does an international audience differ from an American audience? You know, I, I've said this before, and I, I truly mean it. I, I think that if you like punk rock music, right? Right. And if you like ska punk music and you're showing up around the world, those people that are going there are look very similar. Right. Uh, dressed, you know, being dressed wise, act very similar. So when you kind of show up and you could push a show that's here tonight and you can make this in to Mexico and it would feel super similar. So, to answer your question in, in a, a very uh, long way, in a very short way, shows are, are super similar, man. The people act the same. It's the same passion for music. The people showing up for live music, it's the sing-alongs. It's the sweaty, yeah. like, craziness. It's, it's something. It's a music ties 
the world together, man. Like it's very, it's yeah. very odd. And if you're passionate for music, if you're passionate for punk rock, the the, the act is very similar in a, in a live in a live setting. Well, and I was going to ask about like the language barrier, but that doesn't seem to be a big deal because there was a. I think they were Korean, maybe Japanese, but a uh, ska band called Kamuri. Oh, yeah, they're friends of ours. <clears throat> um, and they they had some songs that were not in English. Didn't stop me from rocking out to them, and I even could start singing along. Absolutely. I, I think that it doesn't matter at a certain point. Music's music, right? Like, it, it moves you in a certain way, and that vibe yeah. happens. So if... Uh, you know, if bands singing in Japanese and they're in Denver, right? Right. It doesn't matter. And if uh, Less Than Jake is singing in English and we're happen to be in Mexico, it's very similar. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? No, it doesn't matter. Music is the thing that's important. So, okay, that's it's fascinating to me because you guys have been a band for like 26 years, yeah, right? we're on 26th year right now. And it seems like without any hiatus, without any like breakups, I mean, you can't say that for face-to-face. They, you know, they've broken up a couple of times, or not broken up, but at least gone yeah, on hiatus. A, yeah, took a hiatus. How do you, what do you attribute that longevity to? I think a couple things, right? Uh, the first and foremost, when Less Than Jake was coming up, we did everything like sort of do it yourself. So we did our own t-shirts and we booked our own tours and we did all those things that set a foundation that's strong, right? Mm-hmm. So that lasts. So, you know, if you have a good foundation, you could put anything on top of that, you know, if you're thinking about construction house or whatever, right? Right, yeah. Uh so we were very uh cognizant of building a strong foundation. We did it all ourselves. We understood what we were doing. Uh, we made some mistakes and we made others discoveries that we went, really, this is, we can do this. And especially it was in the early nineties when friends of ours said, Hey, there's this thing called an MP3 <laughs> and we could put, you know, we could take your music and we could digitize it and then we could dump it into a folder for free somewhere for you guys. Right. And that blew my mind because that was, you know, it's funny because that's when the internet, literally, I, I've tried to explain this before, it's when the internet was green and black. Right, yeah. <laughs> there was no color and it was just text and it was weird and it was the Wild West. So we just kind of threw everything out there for free at times and just let it go, right? And to go back into that sort of question that you have, you know, when you spend this much time and you've you've done this many things with bands with band members that connection and that bond becomes so much stronger right. and usually bands hit a wall right they have the excitement of of starting and then yeah, launching a band and then they have that success or no success whatever it is they hit that wall and there's this apex that happens and you either have to push through that apex uh-huh. Or it's the end, you know, right. and less than Jake, we've pushed through the apex and we've gone through the ups and we've gone through the downs and we've gotten stronger for it and we've gotten dumber at times for it and we've gotten super smart for at other times because of it. So I think that it's just the connection and the bond and right. you've gone through so many experiences together that the bond becomes stronger the more that you're together as a band. You guys are a family, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And just like family... I know if I'm in a bad mood, I know how to <laughs> dial everyone else up into a bad mood. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you pick each other up when you're down, you support each other when you need support. Yeah. That's that's how it is, man. And we've been lucky enough and blessed enough to have a fan base that keeps us energized. And that chemical reaction that happens between being on stage and playing the people and that energy that comes back 
from the audience to the stage, it, it, it keeps the engine running. So, I mean, it, it works both ways in that regard. Absolutely. Because when you see less than Jake, and I, I'm standing here with one of my best friends, Keith, and we've been to probably at least a dozen less than Jake shows. And one of the things that's your hallmark is just a signature energy live show. And it's everything from like toilet paper guns mm-hmm. to I had a friend get hit in the face with a raw hot dog oh, one yeah. time. Well, sure. <laughs> um, you had a whole Price is Right theme one we time. Did. which. Yep. That one was so cool because when you played it in Denver, the wheel, like the stage was sort of down, so the wheel kept spinning, and the guy stopped it on Pezcor, which is what I really wanted yeah. it to land on. But uh, it's it's fascinating to me to hear that the energy goes both ways because I think as a fan, you almost take that for granted. You're wanting the band to convey energy to you, but you're forgetting that they're getting energy from you. Absolutely, man. It goes both ways. It has to go both ways. Yeah. So I'm interested because you touched on something. When you're when you start as a band, you reach an apex, mm-hmm. right? So when you started less than Jake, what was or started in less than Jake, what was the vision for success then? And how do you define success now? Like what's the next sort of goal line? Well, you know, when you first start a band and for with less than Jake especially, right? It was, hey, we started this band and being successful would be playing a show at the <laughs> right. local club, right? Because there was a, such a heavy house party uh, thing in the punk rock scene when we first started. So oh, if yeah. you were a punk rock band, you would just go play a house show. Right. Right. So the success thing was, okay, we're going to go play, you know, in front of these other people that were at the <laughs> club, you know. And uh, then you hit that goal. Right? right. And then you go, okay. You get a few at bats under your yeah, belt. Right. Yeah. And then you go, well, here's this other goal. Uh, you leave town to go play a show. At another place. Yeah. And then when you do that a few times, then you start to, you know, the the sight, right, of that goal continues to change and continues to morph the longer that you're around. Once you hit that success thing of what you define as success, then you move on from it. And you keep on doing that. Unless you set Jake, your goals, we right? We keep on doing it, man. Like, you know, it was, oh, yeah, we... You know, toured uh, the U.S., okay? Now we want to tour in a foreign country, and we want to go to here, and we want to do this, and we want to have this record, and we want to do these things. And you just continually morph that goal and push forward, you know, once the other goals are achieved. So, like, what is the next sort of incremental goal? What's the next milestone? You know, I I think that there's places that Les and Jake have never played. Cool. You know, uh, like Moscow, St. Petersburg, Poland, uh, this just to touch every place that we could touch. Yeah. You know, that's the ultimate Fill in the goal. rest of the map, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think that we've done such a, a complete job in a lot of places that, but there's still so many more to do in other places that we, and countries that we've never touched. So I think that that's always a long-term goal. To be honest with you, just writing new music and feeling good about it and kind of diving into it it's always the goal it's always to continue to push forward musically to continue to push forward as a band live mm-hmm. and and you go with that man and it's kind of crazy but you know you do a record and your record's done and that's you know for me a record is a snapshot of who the band is at the moment that you're writing and recording it right right so but once that happens that that whole nother sort of outlook and that whole nother story starts again. So you have you know you have to you know continually ne- always look forward and push into something else. 
Yeah, it and thematically, I remember because I first became aware of your band in high school, and at the time, thematically, it was themes that were really resonant with me. You know, a lot of like leaving town and you know going through change, and you know, I'm thinking of. Um, uh, History of a Boring Town, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, Scott Farkas takes it on the chin. Those types of songs, as you guys get older and as you evolve, how does your writing change? And thematically, you know, how is it different now versus it, it was back when you started? Well, you know, musically speaking, right, that's uh, was primarily Chris and Raj. And then it J.R. Uh, came in the band, and then he has continually sort of added to... I, I've done most of ninety percent of the lyrics for Less Than Jake. Really? Right. Uh, so, is it surprising that to people that the drummer is writing most of the lyrics? Like, I, I don't think people know. I, the people that know know. Right. And the people that just like Less Than Jake for the band that we are. Yeah. Does it really matter? Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> uh, it just it resonates with. So for me, it's just uh, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not looking for any accolades when it comes to oh, I write the lyrics, so there it is. Uh, Less than Jake's always been about the band encounter, yeah, what it is about the band. But lyrically speaking, let's just jump into that real quick, right? The the fact that for me, I've always wrote in a very autobiographical sense, right? Yeah. So those feelings and those emotions. You know, are, are stuff that I'm, uh, you know, you fight your demons and you pick your poison along the way, right? And you talk about it. And I've always used it to uh, lyrics to exercise certain things out. And I've been lucky enough that Chris and Raj go, okay, you know, uh, maybe I don't feel this way, but I'm going to sing these lyrics yeah. with passion and conviction. In particular, the song like uh, a song like "The Science of Selling Yourself Short," which yeah. is one of my favorites, and I I think I read an interview with you any number of years ago in like the Rocky Mountain News, where you talked about that song specifically in writing it. Yeah, and I thought that feels that it's one of those great songs in that it's universal and both intensely personal, which is what mm. you hope that a song of course, is. Man. But I was thinking, just because I'm not a musician and I'm not in a band, it would be strange to feel like I'm singing someone else's poetry, you know, or, or singing someone else's life. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? It's I've I've never gone too heavy, right? Right. So I'll go with this. There's a whole other set of lyrics that I have, and that we, Lesson Jake would never use. Okay. Right. They're they're he very very heavy. Right. Right. But. Uh, with the lyrics, I always think like topics, you know, if I'm feeling this, then someone else is feeling this as well. Right. I, I think that in my head, I would never ask those guys to sing anything that I didn't think was already resonating with a bunch of other people. Sure. Yeah. So everyone is self-deprecating mm -hmm. at times, yeah. you know, and everyone's felt the loss of somebody. And everybody's wanted more and everyone's not wanted to give up and everyone's not wanted to give in at times. And it's those, <laughs> those things that are passionate, right. That I, f I think are passionate Yeah. that like I find, okay, it's, it's okay to kind of put that into the world and have somebody else sing it because I know that other people are feeling that as well. You know, there's other things that, that I've written that I would never bring to less than Jake because it's, it's so over the line personal yeah. that I don't think could ever connect with inside the band dynamic. No, that makes good sense.
Um, and you mentioned before we got on mic that we're last day of the tour. And so you are good enough to spend some time with me here. And I, I can imagine life on the road is a grind. But how do you guys maintain health when you're on tour, or do you? Yeah, you know, some sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, man. It, it's not only uh, health in what way, because here's the thing, like, there's mental health mm-hmm. issues, right? And then there's the physical sense, right? Physical sense, you know, you got to try to eat good, and you got to try to drink water, and got to sanitize your hands all the time because <laughs> you're shaking a bunch of people's hands, and it's all those things that are just common sense, right? Right. Uh, can't party too hard, but you wind <laughs> up partying hard sometimes, and... You know, imagine Friday and Saturday night, seven days a week, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a moment that you have to kind of calm down and you have to hit hit that sort of uh, go into neutral and, and kind of collect yourself and go forward. The mental health side of it is very, very, very tough, man. Like, because you have to go back home. Mm-hmm. I'm a dad of a six-year-old daughter. I'm a husband. Right. Yeah, my kids are. Th- I have two daughters, three and one and a half. So, okay. and so imagine you have a, a certain personality, a certain lifestyle. You have to come home, and you have to be a dad, and you have to be a, a, a husband, and I'm a business owner. You know, two businesses: paper and plastic, that, paper and plastic. But I also own a tattoo shop, right? Yeah, and I deal with a lot of the business and a lot of the media stuff for Less Than Jake. And for me, like that's a. It's a. It's. It's a balancing act and it's a mental health thing. And at the same time, though, right, when you're creating and lyric-wise and you're going deep and you're digging deep. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it comes from within. Emotional stuff comes out, man. Oh, sure. uh, And it surfaces when you least expect it sometimes. So it's tough, man, to to keep your mental health. Yeah. Because on one thing, people are saying how great you are, how great you are, how good it is. And then, you know, you go home and it's, hey, can you, can you take out the garbage? Like, and, and can you do that? And it, it's tough sometimes to to be able to balance those things. Right, because they're different personas Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's fascinating. When you guys are on the road, like, how do you end up spending your downtime? I, I've, I've heard a cliche that is, you know, traveled all around the world, haven't seen a thing. Right, a, a little from column A and column B, right? Yeah. So there's uh, things that you have to do and that you are responsible for while you're out on the road and you're you're touring, right? And you're around the world, but there's always a day off and there's always things. And I find myself being a tourist at those times. Oh, cool! All right, where I go, oh yeah, like you know, we're gonna go here and we're gonna go see this and we're gonna go here and we're gonna go see this. So let's say on this tour we went to Anaheim, we had a day off in Anaheim, right? Uh, we went to SpaceX. We have friends that nice. that uh, work there. So they took us on the barge that like <laughs> they land the thing, and we we were there and we hung out. Got back from that, then I went to Disneyland from there, and nice. spent you know a half a day there. Came back and watched the Avengers movie. <laughs> uh, but that was my tourist moment. And but I continue to have to do that. You're in Japan. Yeah. And you're tired, man, and you're just so just over it. <laughs> like you have to, you have to peel yourself up, and you have to go, go feel it, man. You have to go see it. Yeah, you have to embrace that that, that thing that you are, you know. And I use the word, and I'm on a sidebar, real quick, right? Yeah, not a very religious person. I, I I'm to a point where I, I think that I'm faithful enough in, like, 
religion where I go, do I believe in thing? Yeah. Do I believe in an organized religion? No. Right. right. But I think I'm a faithful person, but I never understood when people said, I'm blessed because of so-and-so. Right. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was bullshit. <laughs> right. I, I always thought, blessed, come on, why do you say that? But the older that I get, the more that I understand that people are given an opportunity and some people ignore that opportunity and other people embrace the opportunity. Yeah. And that those people recognize that, like, hey, this is a good thing. I'm going to take it in. And you take it in and then more things happen. You take those in and you keep on going. Gratitude. And, yeah, it's gratitude. But it's even more than that sometimes. I think that just sheer luck, man. <laughs> like, and, and you have to recognize that it could be a million other people sitting on this bench, yeah. right? But it's me, man. Like, yeah. And it's the, the, the five guys that are collectively less than Jake. And those things blow my mind. And I could talk literally for hours on those facts where I go, like, it could be anything. And, and, and it could be anything bad, too. And it's like, oh, I know a friend that, you know, this happened to. And right. these sheer strokes of bad luck and strokes of good luck and strokes of faith that that are immeasurable right and i i trip out and i get like heady when it comes to those things right because the world's a a wild place man and we're all interconnected it doesn't matter where if we could be in mexico we're in grand junction we could be anywhere man under the sun but for some reason we're all interconnected and it's wild it's i it's a thing of beauty yeah and uh I gotta ask you about something specific, and I'm sh- I'm sure you remember this, but it was 2003. I was seeing you guys. It was right around Thanksgiving. All right, and one of your supporting bands, the opening band, was actually Fallout Boy. Oh yeah. The middle band, I cannot remember who it was. I want to say Juliana Theory, but that doesn't seem right. Mm. Whoever it was had to go home uh, to deal with some sort of tragedy. So you guys hired a magician. So I'll, I'll go with this, right? So what is correct on that is that Fallout Boy opened, and then it was supposed to be Rufio. That's right. And then Rufio never even started the tour. Oh, okay. So we just went, okay, let's get – all the shows are sold out anyway. <laughs> so let's just get weird, right? So in some places we hired like this old metal band called Bang Tango from the <laughs> 80s. Uh, we hired Tommy Two-Tone, who did uh, 86793. Yeah. We hired him. We had a magician here. Magician we had, in Denver, yeah. Uh, a guy who makes uh, balloon animals at another show. And we just did it. We just did it because we sort of got done dirty by Rufio, where they knew they weren't coming because of that someone had a death in the family. and But they knew they weren't coming. And it was the first day of tour, and we were like, it was in Portland. We are like, well, when's Rufio showing up? When's Rufio showing up? And it doors are open now, and everything's. They haven't just been a sound check or anything. They weren't even there. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we finally get a hold of their booking agent after trying for uh, forever. Booking agent goes, I don't know where they are. Yeah. So the band never even bothered to what? tell the booking agent that they weren't coming, and so we went, Well, what the fuck are we gonna do? Yeah. And, and then we went, All right, let's just. We we t- this situation's a bad situation, so let's just get weird with it. That's and it got weird, and, and that's I'm cool with that. And I I remember that vividly. Like this magician walks out, and I think I think it was Roger who came out and introduced him. Yeah, and uh, he like he comes out, and everyone fucking their faces melt because you know Roger's out early, and then he's like, I remember later in the show, Chris goes, "Look, 
One of the bands had a death in the family. They couldn't make it. Lesson Jake is not going to sell you short. So what we do is we go out and we hire you a fucking magician. Yes. You're welcome, Denver. Yes. And uh, and I thought, that is so fucking cool. The other thing that I remember uh, something Chris said on stage once was when everyone was lined up, and I want to say this was at the Ogden in Denver as well, but uh, when everyone's lined up, we went and found uh, parents in the line, mm. and we invited them onto our bus for cocktails. And I remember he said, we did that because when I was a kid, my dad never would have taken me to any shit like this. That's true. I thought that was really, really cool. We've done that a few times. Like, it, and what's that like? when You know, there's a point in time that happens that you're close in age of the people that are coming to see you play. Yeah. And then there's a point in time that, for less than Jake, that it got super young. And then... When was that? Uh, 98, probably somewhere around. Was that right around like Good Burger and stuff? No, it was uh, Rockview. Oh, Hello Rockview, yeah. It's a great album. You know, so all of a sudden it became very young, right? Yeah. And then we were closer in age to their parents than we were to the kids that were showing up to see us play. So it's just you meet those parents and and just gets wild after a while, you know? Thank you for bringing your kids. Yeah, thanks for bringing. You know, it's funny because we were in Boise a few nights ago and i've never seen so many kids at a show less than jake show than boise uh, wow. it was their parent their parents though brought the kids it was crazy it's like chris made a joke where he was like dude is there no such thing as babysitters in boise <laughs> like what's going on like so like young kids it, it was everything from like six Jeez. to like 16 Wow. And parents just brought their kids out, man. And it was just wild because I haven't seen that ever. Yeah, really. no. You know, so it was this this weird mix of very young. Yeah. And then, like, you know, that the Lesson Jake demographic now is that, like, 25 to 45. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, but, I mean, when you see kids at the show, that's that's got to be... Uh, heartening for you you know it's got to be encouraging because you're like holy shit this lives on beyond like generationally absolutely it's it, it already has yeah it, it already has it, it's it's very bizarre man like less than jake now we've if depending on what place and where we're at but that's literally 16 to 50 years old yeah <laughs> right and then if so you count cool. if you count the parents that are are bringing their kids you're literally now talking from six to 50 years yeah. old. Well, and the fact... Decades worth. The fact <laughs> that you guys don't... You don't necessarily need to lean on your back catalog, right? You're still making great tunes. And it reminds me of when I'm riding around in the car, my daughter... My three-year-old daughter's current favorite song is Telegraph Avenue by Rancid. Yeah. And she calls it the Nana song. Yeah. And so you introduce your kids to music that you like. And the fact that you guys are still vital 26 years later, still cranking out great shit. Like, see the light... Uh, is is a terrific album. Thanks. And that to me is a, to to maintain that level of quality over that period of time is not something you see with a lot of bands. It's it's tough because you sort of get stuck occasionally on who you are as a band, right? Right. And, and how you want to like sort of mix sounds and mix this and you know less than Jake we did in with the out crowd. Right. We, we added other components to it and we found out pretty quickly that our fan base went we like less than jake inside this box mm. and you could push and pull all you want but 
don't go outside of this particular <laughs> box. And you you either accept that Interesting. A, and never do it again, or you don't accept it and you push forward still, right? Yeah. So with Less Than Jake, it's that we've – we went – all right, that's that's what, how you guys feel, but we've always continue to push and pull outside of that. Mind you, it's never been such a huge jump as it was with In With The Out Crowd. Yeah. And I personally think that In With The Out Crowd was a faulty production. It was too glossy. It was too just like sort of kind of stiff and weird. It just felt different. Yeah, and it felt, it felt different, right? And I think that the songs were great songs, but the production was mm. off-putting. So mm. it just never, at the time, reached people's ears. But now, when people talk about that record, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, I didn't like it when it came out. But <laughs> now I, I went back and revisited it, and I felt that, you know, these songs were heavy, man. Like, yeah. and, and there it is, right? You know, you have songs on there, Rest of My Life, which we play oh, yeah, live, Overrated, which we play. You know, you have other things, Hopeless Case, which I can't even bring ourselves to, to – play that like because it's just a sad, it's a sad song man yeah it, it 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 really and it doesn't help that that whole time i was like i was reeling from a divorce oh, man. so all those songs are about you know vaguely about being getting divorced yeah. you know and my grandfather passed away at the same time and rest of my life is about my grandfather passing yeah it's just and Originally, side note to that, it was a the original title of that song was an open letter uh, from Asbury Park. That was right. the original title of the rest of my life, and then we decided after a little bit it was too like you know vague, so we wanted to. That's yeah, a little oblique, yeah. So we, and and we went for the obvious sledgehammer, sure, yeah. You know? And sometimes you do that. Sometimes you have to. I think my favorite cut off that album is mostly memories. I love that. I love it. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I remember Roger did a, did a, an interview where he ranked all of less than Jake's albums. Mm-hmm. And I think that one was near the bottom. Um, yeah. I can't remember. I, I like the songs. I just don't like the feel of it and the production of right. it. And I specifically don't like, uh, the time period for me personally. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's a painful time period. Since you guys have been around and you've been on indie labels, you've been on major labels, and I mean, you've been pretty pretty much everywhere in between. What are the challenges unique to being on an indie label versus being on a major? It's tough because each indie brings something unique to the table, mm. right? So let's say with a Fat Records, like Borders and Boundaries was on, uh, that, right? You know, it was at the height of Fat. Yeah. So they had a, a certain uh, hype to the label, anyway, right? Like Rise Against was on there, and like yeah, Lagwagon, and it, it, it was the moment for Fat, right? Yeah. It was the moment for punk rock in general. Was right when Borders was was happening, and Fat had their own uh, fan base that was fan of the label, just like Epitaph mm. had. Oh yeah, yeah, you know their their thing. Lookout Records also prior to that had just a fan yeah. base of anything that comes out. On this label, I'm going to get. And I was so, a fat guy. Yeah, so, so And you, side one also. But. So you had those moments where you go, you're seeing new people because of the label, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you go, oh, they didn't have X, Y, Z, right? They didn't right. have the budget that was, you know, on, on a major and you, you couldn't do X, Y, Z or you couldn't have, 
you know, tour support where you wanted to go to a new place, but you couldn't afford to go to a new place, so you ask a label for tour support. And once you get there, uh, they didn't have the press set up for you because there's a limited budget, right? But all that's before sort of there was this walled garden, right? Mm -hmm. And that was distribution. Yeah, right. You had had to go to a label because they had this, like, secret, which was getting your records inside places that people bought music at, right? But ever since the fact that, like, getting distribution and distribution of music changed so radically and how people digest music has changed so radically that it doesn't matter currently now major indie anything it's all equal in distribution oh interesting right yeah so it doesn't matter now like me and you could go my friend's band's really great and i have an extra five thousand dollars so let's just put it out and you could easily get distribution you could (laughs) easily put that music into spotify you can easily put it on Bandcamp. you can easily get an itunes you can easily do all of those things and Anyone can do it. It's the great equalizer. Yeah. Right? Well, Vinny, I mean, it's not different than this podcast. It's truth. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's very similar in that way. People go, I want to know how to start a podcast. I'm like, you just fucking start it. Yeah. Like, essentially, like, if you have a good idea and you sort of know what you want this thing you're creating to be as it exists in the world, you can get it out there. And yeah. then the hustle's up to you. Yeah. Content is king yeah. currently. Absolutely. But speaking of, you run your own label, Paper and Plastic. Yeah. And I've, I've run previous labels before that too. Oh, really? Like what? Like what? Filled by Ramen. Oh yeah. yeah. Of course. What do you look for in a band that you want to bring into your label? Like, do you have a? Because I mean, there was always criticism of fat. You know, there was mm-hmm. like a fat aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same early epitaph aesthetic as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? For me, I I like to put out music that I'm moved by. Hmm. So there's no real aesthetic to it. So I've released everything from straight up like thrash doom metal, right? <laughs> cool. Band from hell, right? And I've released, you know, light ska music, you know, Westbound sure. Train and, you know, Slackers records and things like that. It, and for me, there's no true like, oh, this is a paper and plastic band. There's not that. It's, there's not like a template. No. Wow. I'm an eclectic person, so I and eclectic I like a bunch of different music. So uh paper and plastic reflects that. And I think that with paper and plastic, it the the intent was always to do modern art, right? Cool. And right. and have a, a soundtrack to it, but do die cut records and do, you know, yeah. toys and do prints and do these weird totems and, <laughs> and, and uh that's what the intent was. So uh, life needs multiple things for that soundtrack. So for me, I go, yeah, everything's cool. That's you know? awesome, man. You know, thrash metal, ska, pop punk, punk rock. It's all there, man. That's great. We talked a little bit about uh, how you like the tunes on In With The Out Crowd, but not necessarily the production. Mm-hmm. Are there songs in Less Than Jake's catalog that you feel like don't get enough love? And that, you know, like, because people want to hear certain things when they come out. And yeah. I've, I've heard you guys allude to that on stage. It's like... We got to play some new shit here just to keep ourselves sort of. Yeah, half that's tongue in cheek, right? Right, of course. And but... the, the other half is, you know, you're 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 being serious. But I think that there there's some songs, right, that that I think went like, why didn't this connect with somebody, right? So let's go with hopeless case. Mm-hmm. Why isn't somebody going play hopeless case, man? Yeah. Like, 
You know, and if somebody did, maybe we would play it. Hmm. But nobody in the it, nobody <laughs> has ever said live shouted hopeless case. Play hopeless case. <laughs> nobody. But if we don't play Johnny Quest, uh, you, you can bet your, about it. you can bet your ass that someone's screaming play Johnny Quest. Yeah. And that song connects. I, I have no idea why that song connected, right? But it connected. Yeah. And, and it still does. Yeah. Right? So it, it's odd, man. It's very odd. Are the- know, I think that for me, one of my favorite songs is Great American Sharpshooter. Mm. It gets zero love. No love. Gets zero love. <laughs> do you ever get, Do you ever just throw those in? Like, Yeah. I mean, good. Yeah. Occasionally we do, you know, because you just have to to do that, you know. Yeah. You play what you want to play and you do what you want to do because that's your your passion and that's your creativity and that's everything, right? right? And But also you have to pepper that with the fact that people are paying good money to come to be entertained. Right. Right. And that's an, a very, like, sticky word, but someone's going to pay 25 to $35, depending on where you're at, right, and what venue it is. And they want to hear Johnny Quest thinks we're sellouts. They want to hear Blasted Cup politics. Yeah, and we're not a, necessarily a jukebox, but we understand that people right. uh, don't have to spend their money on less than Jake to come see us right. play. So let's let's do fun stuff, man. Let's Let's have yeah. a fun time for everybody, you know, us, them. You know, the collective we. Well, and even throwing in something like, the last time I saw you guys, you did the Pac-Man cereal. Yeah. <laughs> that was really... I love, I love the TV theme song, the stuff. It, oh, that God. Great. That was that was so funny. And then uh, you threw in a little bit from Good Burger. Yep. I mean, it was... A little SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Are there any songs you guys won't play? Are there any you flat out refuse to play? Uh, depending on who you talk to, actually, in the band. Oh, but, funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there, there's, uh, there's songs that I think are studio songs, right? Mm. That are moments in time that were fleshed out in the studio, sound better in the studio. We can never achieve that that same vibe live. So uh, it's not that we flat out refuse it, but it's just like we've tried some things and it just like falls flat. Yeah. You know, one, one one song, right, that in particular is off GNV FLA mm-hmm. and it's called Abandoned Ship. Yeah. And it's such a potent ripper, man, on record. And when we play it live, it just doesn't connect with people. Hmm. Like, and it doesn't, that, that, the, just a lot of standing around. It never like reaches peak yeah. live. And you just go, okay, maybe that's not the song that we play, you know, <laughs> like, and we put that, that song away. That's interesting. While. You guys usually play Anchor, which is one that yeah, I love. We're not, n- not tonight. <laughs> no, really? No. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, how far ahead do you guys do the set list? Uh, f- a few weeks before tour. Oh, cool. So yeah. you, and we get together, then we'll talk about it, send emails back and forth or text. Then we'll get together and do one or two practices. And yeah. if we need to brush up on anything, we brush up on it and, sure. and kind of go through it. But uh, that song is an example of how you can tell a great story in 30 seconds. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a weird flash of inspiration that we did it. And it was that, you know, Fat Mike had called and went, hey, we, we want you to be on this comp. And it's due, <laughs> like, you know, in two weeks or whatever. And it's like... 
okay, and trying to encapsulate a full song in 30 seconds and then make it coherent lyrically. <laughs> yeah. So it was wild. That's fucking amazing. All right. Well, I know uh, we are approaching showtime. I know you're probably dying for some downtime. So we're going to wrap this up here. Um, so most of all, Vinny, in terms of setting this up, I didn't know you. I just sent you a cold pitch. And I can't tell you how much it means to me to get the time with you, to sit right. down, to, to get to chat with you. Um, this is the part on the show where we do plugs. Yep. Um, so plug away. Where can we find Less Than Jake? Online. Whatever you want to plug, it's all yours. You know, LessThanJake.com for all the info, at Less Than Jake for Instagram, at Less Than Jake for Twitter, forward slash Less Than Jake for Facebook. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, that's the obvious things. If you haven't listened to our latest EP that came out last year, uh, Sound the Alarm, mm -hmm. uh, it was an interesting thing how it came about. Just It was supposed to be a full length, but we decided in the 11th hour as we were writing to, to shrink it down and make it as concise and as just uh, energetic and, and poignant as possible. So we're proud of that EP. Go check it out. Oh, Sound great. the Alarm. It's on Pure Noise. Other than that, man, if we're going to come through your town, come support. Oh, you yeah. know, because if you support us as we come through, then we continue to be a band. The minute that when we come through a town and no one shows up or show less and less and less, that's when we know it's time. It's time yeah. to be over, man. So if you want to see Lesson Jake and you want to con see us continue, then you come out and you support. Well, I drove four hours out here. Like, it was a great hook. You guys and face-to-face. Three of my best friends in the entire world. We don't get to see each other that much. We're all dads, you know. Yeah, but it's sympathetic. So mm -hmm. it was a great way. It was like a great hook to build the trip around. Um, so thank you for doing what you're doing. No and, problem. And continued success to you, my man. Thank you. And that wraps up episode 175 of the John of All Trades podcast. Vinny Fiorello, drummer from Less Than Jake, was my guest. What a thrill to get to talk to him before their show. Just a quick note, their show was absolutely phenomenal both them and face to face put on a killer show their opening band direct hit just tremendous check out any of those bands the next time they come through your town the john of all trades podcast is a production of deft communications check out deft on the web d-e-f-t-c-o-m.us and our sponsor is four degrees the number four d-e-g-r-e.es if you are doing something online building a website building a campaign reaching people through social media four degrees will help you do it better I guarantee you they are better at it than you are. So check them out on the web, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Online solutions that fit your budget. I am back here with a brand new episode next week. As long as I am flush with episodes, I'm going to keep churning them out at as good a clip as I possibly can. So if you want to get the drop on brand new episodes, Facebook's the only place to do that. The handle is J-O-A-T-Pod. Episode previews go up on Monday. New episodes drop on Wednesday. So, until I hear you back here again, and I hope that I do, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak.